1: Not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.
0: I, I have to to expand on
1: that. Ah, just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Marabi, and along with Jack Shields, you guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify. Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else. Give us a five star review, Inter- and just you know, it just makes us easier to find when you're looking for podcasts for Sooner fans and people that like want to hear in depth sort of analysis and just things we talk about when we ramble. And right? it's just
0: a nice thing to do. Yeah, it's it's a good thing to you do. You can feel good about yourself.
1: I mean, the Oklahomies are pretty nice people. Would you agree?
0: Uh, ninety nine percent,
1: yeah. For the most part, Oklahomans are pretty cool. Um, but man, it is. Almost October. It feels like a, it, it feels like fall weather outside, definitely. Finally getting there. Finally. The heat lingered it does longer
0: than it needed to this summer.
1: It's yeah. It's been I brutal. But uh you know But it, it started later too. I'm I'm wearing weird a, summer. I'm wearing a hoodie right now. And I can go outside and feel just one hundred percent fine and not just sweat. I'm wearing jeans, I mean Yeah. Gene season, but so you know we're we're getting into fall, like real fall football weather. Pumpkin spice shit. Oh oh my gosh, man! Are you gonna get the pumpkin
0: spice spam? Have you seen that? What the hell? Yeah, it's a thing. You can only get it online. (laughs) I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) What? I am not gonna do that.
1: Don't say it. And
0: I see. I'm gonna uh, come out and say this. I do like spam. If you grill it, if you grill it, it, it's pretty good for breakfast. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, Pumpkin's a little too far.
1: Yeah, maybe. Not, not doing that. Um, Absolutely not. It's funny because one day, my fiance's in the other room, like, hanging up shelves at we're at my house, and she comes home one day, and she's like, guess what time it is? And I was like, uh, 4 to 45? <laughs> and she, was, she held her Starbucks cup in front of me, and it was a pumpkin spice latte. I was like, oh, God. And then I go to my sister's house last night, or the night before, I don't know, just to play games. You know that? You know Cards Against Humanity? Yeah. There's a new game out that's just like that called, like, What's Your Meme or whatever? Have you heard of that? No, I have not. Basically, it Seems annoying. It's basically just like Cards Against Humanity, except instead of playing a card that you have to respond to, there's a big picture of a meme. They're pretty good. Most of them are very, like, you know, you would recognize pretty much all of them that you respond to. It's like, you know, Pepe the Frog uh, sitting on a bed, look, reading the book uh, called, titled, Reasons to Live, and then, like, you know, then you would play a card like, oh, um you're at an orphanage and somebody adopted a mouse named Stuart Little over you. Interesting. It's pretty good. So. It's it seems <laughs> yeah, okay. I I I'm I'm coming around. But we went to my sister's house and she's also decked down pumpkin and pumpkin spice. It's the it's these Oklahoma women, man, they love the pumpkin spice. And if you're a man that loves it, that's okay. It
0: reminds me of that, that meme that came out a little bit ago. It was, uh, what was it, Christian Girl Autumn or something like that? It was yeah. like a response to uh, uh, Hot Girl Summer. Yeah. That was pretty funny.
1: It's good times. But, man, week so far. It's it's Tuesday night. This thing's going to be released Wednesday. It's a good week for game week. It, it feels like it was weird what, going this past Saturday, not having a game that I thought was important. It was like, okay, let's watch the OSU-Texas game, right? In which we saw, little brother A and M, little brother Aggie, Oklahoma A and M, Oklahoma State, saw them just shoot themselves in the foot several times. Should have won that game. Like
0: other than yeah, they looked kind of good. Other than you, know, obviously the mistakes they had, but I mean yeah. they they clearly have a ton of firepower offensively. I mean they're going to be dangerous.
1: Spencer but... Sanders looks like Mister Tumness from The Lion in the Wardrobe. <laughs> don't at me. He does. <laughs> I put I put the side by side. Gundy had
0: his share of brain farts, as he typically does in big games.
1: Gundy tucks his, he Gundy tucks his joggers like his his jacket into his underwear, like on the sideline. That guy is a grade A buffoon, but has somehow made OSU relevant. On See, the national yeah, stage. It, it's Oklahoma
0: State alumni. They're so frustrated with him at times, and I'm just like, guys. You have never been this relevant for this long yeah. in the history of your program. And it's not even close. Just write it out. Just come to terms with the fact that your coach is a bit of a rube. But you're successful. You're not going to beat OU very often. But you're at least going to win 9, 10 games. People are going to fill the stadium. Or come close to filling the stadium. They don't really yeah, fill the they stadium. They don't fill that stadium. Yeah, they don't. it's
1: not, that, not even that big. What is it, 60,000? Yeah, and it's backed up to Gallagher-Iba Arena. So it's like... There's, like, the nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Like, they don't even fill it for bedlam. Oklahoma fans will buy those tickets. Yeah, I mean, and they
0: have, like, way too much premium seating. And they charge way too much for the tickets. Like, their tickets are more expensive than OU's. Right. Which is absurd. Because the product isn't as good. That's true. But
1: How's your week been going, though?
0: It's been good. I worked a lot over the weekend. Like, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. to 6 p.m. shifts. But, like, so I had to watch uh like ESPN Plus on my computer and stuff like that and I pay for ESPN Plus and it didn't work. So what do you mean you, it didn't work? Just didn't work. Streaming <laughs> didn't work. The internet was fine. Okay. But the streaming didn't work. It oh. just it just like said, "Hey, can't play it.
1: Can't play in this area," yeah. buddy. don't Oh. Uh, That's interesting.
0: Upsetting for sure. I'd be upset cuz I was you know just sitting at my desk and you you paid for that service. Exactly. It's cheap though. Yeah, it's 5 bucks. But whatever. I'm not going to vent.
1: But my, my big moment this week was uh, upgrading my phone to the new iOS. And that we were, we were playing with right before we got on the podcast. Seems cool. I don't know if I would use that
0: feature where you slide your yeah. finger.
1: So, I feel like I'm just going to old man hunt and peck for the rest of my life. If you are an Android listener, you're going to think this is hilarious. My very first smartphone was an Android. And they've had the whole swipe technology, texting, whatever, since the beginning. And uh, so one of the one of the new updates on the iOS is that you can swipe to text now, and that's really I mean th- there's dark mode, but my phone already had a black background anyway, so like I that that part isn't new, and it looks different, it looks sleeker and stuff like that. But I'm sure I, I need to look at the specs specs on it just to see what else is different. But that's my big thing that so far. But bigger things in Oklahoma football this week, right? Yeah, I mean. Talking about getting some guys back, talking about guys transferring, talking about people getting drunk. Uh, <laughs> just just a Kickers. bunch. I like my of kick at a party, dude. That's awesome, right? I mean, I don't. I mean, you
0: you like a little bit of piss and
1: vinegar at the position. It's true. Seibert it, had a little bit of like, that. Do you? It reminds me of the replacements. You remember that movie with Keanu? Reeves? Oh yeah, dude. They had He's, the wiry. Like, he's, he's wiry. It's, it's like, wiry. No wiry. I'll, that's I love that movie. Very he's quotable. From, he's from Scotland and Callum, Wales. Callum Sutherland from Wales. is from uh, Sutherland is from Scotland. Scotland. And he was it, born uh, in Scotland right, right. and then moved to here Texas. like a
0: few years into his life, but Just not. Saying. He wasn't
1: even there as long as like Tom Wart was in England. But it's in the blood. It's in the blood. Yeah, but let's talk about it. So by week news kind of like leaked out early that Trajan Bridges was. Being tried at safety slash nickel, and um, people are like, "Okay, why are the coaches having them do this?" Because that's that was the initial reaction was, "Why are the coaches having Trajan Bridges, a five star wide receiver, who had been play playing all right at yeah, that receiver right, and doing well in kickoff coverage, yeah?" And then it comes out, "Oh, he approached Lincoln Riley himself about playing safety." And I'm like, "Okay, hold up, this this puts a totally different narrative on this situation because." You're not going to go to your five-star wide receiver and say, "Hey, you're switching to defense now." That's not what you do if you're Lincoln Riley. That's not what you do as a head coach. You
0: risk alienating a lot of
1: people. But you could not. you could ask him, say, "Hey, how'd you feel about this?" But the fact that the narrative is indeed Trajan Bridges approached Lincoln Riley, not the other way around, that changes the narrative. So Trajan Bridges approaches Lincoln Riley, moving to safety/slash nickel. What's that say about the DB situation, and what do you think about the entire thing?
0: Well, first of all, obviously, we've been talking about this a long time. Quality depth of that that position is as low as any other position on the team, probably by a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, not even very close. But at the same time, there are parts of it that do make sense. He's lengthy. He's like 6'1". Mm-hmm. He's athletic. He's physical. He's aggressive. You saw that on kickoff coverage. Yeah. He's someone who, if you gave him time to develop he would probably be a very natural safety in Alex Grinch's defense. Mm -hmm. He sort of checks off all of Grinch's boxes. Yeah. At the same time, that's a position with a very big learning curve. Definitely. So expecting him to contribute right away is asking a bit too much.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair.
0: So, I mean, and he's getting snaps at receiver. Not too many in the first half, but he's, he's making some appearances in the first half. And next year... You're losing CD Lamb. Yep. So he's going to get a lot more snaps on the outside. So he's a year away from being a major contributor at wide receiver. At the same time his ceiling is really high at safety if he were to make that move. What I don't do you think he's this is going to stick. I kind of don't
1: think it will, but what if I told you Lincoln Riley is never playing checkers? And he's of the Sam Presti variety that when people are zigging, he has already zagged like five times. And that Lincoln Riley's playing 3D chess, not only on the football field, but with the minds of other people in the conference. And that, yeah, I'm sure there, there are rumors of Trajan Bridges playing safety. And let's say he's the first wide receiver to trot out on the field, along with your C.D. Lamb and along with a Grant Calcaterra. Um, and uh, at the Red River Shootout,
0: this is kind of like what we talked about with Hazelwood.
1: Yeah, how that you're Just going to unleash all? the beast? Would that, that surprise the you? Time? Not necessarily. It wouldn't surprise me at all.
0: I'm not. Si- well, he's not like throwing out a distraction here. I mean, right. it, it, this w- this really was Bridges' idea.
1: Yeah, but I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they announced it as it was Trader Bridges' idea. Here's my deal. Okay. <laughs> He could play this year 100% full go as a good wide receiver in this system. He'd be great. He'd be fine. Uh, as, we, we've, as we saw on the spring game, you know, as we've seen flashes of him during the actual regular season games when, when he's gotten in the games. At the same time, if he took because, I mean, it's only three games in the season, he could still technically redshirt. And Lincoln Riley had something to say about redshirting today, which we'll talk about later. But, he could seemingly redshirt for the rest of the year, although, albeit his dad probably wouldn't be too happy. But his dad Jack is supportive of it because of this, the way he's been on Twitter and the things he's liking, etc. Responding, you redshirt him, train him, and let him work in the defensive, uh, in the defensive war room. You get him redshirted and then get him in a system to be a safety over the winter spring and fall you can't tell me he's not a prime candidate to be a very good player of course next year and they called his coach over at hebron in texas and said um he played safety for them at several spots last year and he's he's a five-star wide receiver but what we need to know is that he's a five-star talent a dynamic explosive athlete that oklahoma has not had a safety for quite some time. It was supposed to be Robert Barnes, but it's not. And then he broke his leg. Yeah. So, and Stephen Parker, reliable, mm-hmm. not an explosive athlete, not dynamic in that fashion. When, who's the last explosive dynamic safety prospect Oklahoma's had? I think Reggie Smith.
0: Yeah, and he should have been a corner, though. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. exactly. <laughs>
1: they kept dicking
0: him around. They wouldn't let him stay in one position, and it sort of hurt his learning curve, and he never became that dominant force. So to-
1: Is Tony Jefferson...
0: Yeah, Tony Jefferson was a good
1: athlete, but, but he would uh, he would be a different style of safety.
0: Yeah, he would be. But see, the beauty of all of this is if that it if it doesn't work at safety next year, he could easily just transition back to wide receiver. Yeah, he's already exactly. up to speed. Yeah, he knows.
1: So and he's learning the offense, and he knows. And it's just people are like, well, changing a wide receiver, going to safety. Like, how can he be successful changing sides of the ball? It's like okay, there's been several players that have changed sides of the ball. Even some of the best and most highly uh, picked guys in the draft changed positions. Uh Hello Lane Johnson Yeah, was once a quarterback, then a tight end, then an offensive tackle. Andre Wolfolk, who played wide receiver like every year until a senior played cornerback, got drafted in the first round by the Tennessee Titans. Lundy Holmes is another Lundy one. Lendy Holmes is another one. Um Oh, Jamal Brown. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. He played D-line, and he goes and plays... He was a big recruit as a defensive line. Yeah, and then he goes and plays offensive line. It was a mainstay with the Saints for the longest time, and big, really important guys. Just like, there have been lots of guys that have switched positions that have done just fine. And if he's that caliber of athlete that people say he is, I wouldn't be worried about it regardless. But I think... What this says about the situation of Trajan Bridges going up to Lincoln Riley is he recognizes, yo, the team is struggling in this specific area. I'm going to sacrifice what I have going on at the wide receiver position because I know I can be better than they can be. What's that make? Well, how does that make you feel? Well, how does it make Pat Fields and TTY feel? So, like, I read a story. we the backups. So I read the story Not today. That, I mean... By the OU Daily, I can't remember. I if I remember who I can't remember who the they had some. Is. Those
0: two had some good quotes in a number of articles. I mean, yeah. they seem supportive of the whole thing. So,
1: the, whoever put out the OU Daily today, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting your name, but they had some good quotes on on Delarian Turner-Yell and some Pat Fields, and they're like, "Hey, what about Trajan Trajan Bridges?" And you know, Delarian Turner-Yell was really shocked to see him in the DV War Room. He's like, "Whoa, what?" And then Patrick Fields has some. Great things to say about him, about, about Trajan Bridges' mental toughness. So, like, you know... When, hey, those two have had to take pretty much every rep at safety. They'd, yeah. they'd like to be spelled a little bit, probably. And Alex Grinch, when he says, yo, I'm not pleased with the safeties, people are like, okay, Alex, you're not pleased with anything. And there were three weeks he into the season. He was lying about the safeties. Three weeks into the season, he says, I'm not pleased about the safeties. He's like, okay, he's not kidding. He really isn't pleased. <laughs> you know, He really isn't pleased about the safeties. Um, and you just got to... I really appreciate... Trajan Bridges for willing to step up, and it's not a it's not a me situation. It's a team situation, and you gotta love that as a coach, a fan, a player, uh, a, a teammate. You have to love everything about that. Absolutely, Kenneth Mann, supposedly supposed to be cleared for this week. Whether or not he comes back this week, I don't know because we haven't seen him on the sidelines and shorts and pads or whatever. He has been he's been absent. But this week, they said he's cleared to go. And he's not getting that starting job back. No, he's not. Not from Ronnie Perkins. But in this defense, really, like, the difference between starting and doing spot duty is, like, 15 snaps. Exactly, yeah. As much as Grinch rotates those guys. Especially the defensive line where he has has the ability to, right? In the defensive backfield, uh, he doesn't necessarily have that luxury. But you look at the defensive line, dude. Just shuffle in a crap ton of play. You can do different combinations now. You can go on a four-three and feel one hundred percent comfortable with Ronnie Perkins, Kenneth Mann somewhere, Jalen Redmond somewhere, Laurent. So, like, it's 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 nice to say that, you know. Yeah, and I mean,
0: he's going back most likely to a situation where he's going to be playing situationally. Yeah, in certain certain situations. I'm not being very articulate here, but anyway. Um, That's sort of how it was in 2017 for him, and he was effective when he came in. That's right. Last year, he was more of a full-time starter, and he kind of underwhelmed a little bit. And Now he's going back to... That was the narrative. Yeah, of course. We're like, yeah,
1: in spot duty, in certain places, he's a a lightning spark, that guy. He can really do some damage in spot duty. But as a full-time starter, he's not going to be effective, especially if he's running 70 snaps a game. And Alex Grinch has made it known, like, yo, we're not going to play football that way. And Lincoln Riley has changed his kind of approach to the game as far as you know what i think the days of us snapping the ball 90 times a game are over or not not maybe over but we're gonna bring it back a little bit because to help the defense and if you're rotating that many guys in i mean it works well so i think I mean, another, you
0: have the luxury of a lot of depth of course, along the defensive front so course. that
1: obviously makes it a lot easier so and i think i mean kenneth man in that new role i mean Lining up to whoever it is, LaRon Stokes, Jalen Redmond, like dude, your job is so easy. In your spelling, Ronnie Perkins, you know. So there's going to be a variety of fronts that are probably going to be really available to you, and that's exciting. Now we'll talk about the tech thing later, but it's just I'm disappointed, but we'll talk about it. Most notably, something going on, another transfer quarterback. And all the media di- diverted this is, this their... This has been idiot bait. <laughs> all their di- all the media has diverted their attention and their eyes to Norman, Oklahoma. i being like, well, I expect Oklahoma to get a look at I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, okay, Oklahoma... People who
0: don't know who Spencer Rattler is. There are a lot of national media people who cover college football who do not know who he is. And they're like, oh, well, Oklahoma's going to take a transfer, blah, blah, blah. No, they're not taking De'Art King. But what if they did? he'd be good so here's any but you're not going to risk alienating your golden goose spencer
1: rattler and golden goose part two in brock vander exactly and it's just like my initial knee-jerk reaction is to just completely blast these guys like barrett sally on twitter and be like are you dumb like they have spencer rattler who pushed quite a bit in camp to be a starter if he was there in the spring they might not even take Jalen Hurts. He's so good. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a very good quarterback at Oklahoma. And Brock Vandergriff, same thing. He probably thing. could be right now. Exactly. He would be very effective right now. And, um, but at the same time, my knee-jerk reaction, although is to blast these people, is to also say, you know, can I blame them? Baker Mayfield, Kyla Murray, we thought we were getting, we... Oklahoma people thought, we were like, oh, Texas A&M, they got two transfer quarterbacks on the market, and they're both both looking at Oklahoma, like, oh, looks like Kyle Allen's coming to Oklahoma. Nope, just kidding, we're flip-flopping him. Kyler Murray's coming to Oklahoma, and we're like, well, this is an early Christmas present, thank you, and that was the best. So you get Baker, Kyler, and then you get Jalen. So you get three guys, two of them very highly touted. The other one, like what, offensive Newcomer Offensive, of the year, yeah, something like that. And in the Baker Big Mayfield, 2013, yeah. And uh, I mean, so they've had you know what, five. bake played for three years. Kyler for one, and then Jalen for five years of transfer quarterback stuff. So can you blame half a decade? Can you blame the media for being like, well, he was at Oklahoma, and uh, it's hey, low hanging fruit. Lincoln Riley had, and quite they a love low hanging nice
0: fruit, yeah. so let them have it, <laughs> and we can correct them on Twitter. Let's say which he does we transfer, have been
1: doing. Let's say he does transfer to Oklahoma. How, how successful could he be?
0: He could win a Heisman Trophy.
1: Is he better than Khalil Tate at Arizona?
0: He's a better thrower, yeah.
1: So, yeah. I mean, I mean, is he going to transfer to Oklahoma? No. But is the thought just there to have it be thought-provoking to where I'm interested? Yes. But, no, he's not going to Oklahoma. No. But it's an interesting thought. And like you said, it's losing I've, I've been
0: thinking about, I mean... Wait, I'm trying to think. Like uh, Alabama
1: could maybe be interested in him. Alabama, well, theoretically, they they, they got uh, don't they have own, Tua's younger oh, brother though? Tua's younger brother not in the fold yet, but they have Tua. And then Clemson wouldn't like it because I mean they've got Lawrence and DJ Ugle from yeah. Bosco. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's intriguing. But he said he's he said he's set on Houston and Dana Holgerson. That could like changed though, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it, it's good, one hundred percent. So, what was this, or was it early Sunday morning after the after the games that weren't even being played in Norman? That Callum Caleb Sutherland is arrested for public intoxication on a bye week. Was he arrested on the bye week? Right, yeah, yeah. So good weekend for calum Sutherland or Callum, whoever you want to say. Uh, Riley says they're going to handle that thing internally. My real question is, does anybody care? Nope. And why is that? I bet for like 30 minutes, I bet he
0: got a little talking to, said, hey, don't be stupid. Yeah. And now they're probably making fun of him in the football offices. That's probably what's happening right now. I would be willing to bet, I think the arrest happened like like, mid-morning, or not like mid-morning, but like middle of the early morning, like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., yes, something like yeah. that.
1: I would be willing to... And he didn't to... run. He didn't run. Of course. A lost. Who, who who ran Baker. one time? Well, besides Baker. Oh, uh, Jordan Thomas. Jordan Thomas. That's Jordan Thomas, was. yeah. He ran... He, his major jumped fence, and he jumped a He fence. jumped the Logies fence, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. But, okay, he didn't run. He just took it and said, yeah, I'm a kicker.
0: I would be willing to bet, like, because of that timing... Once he got out mm-hmm. of jail, I would be willing to bet that Benny Wiley did mm. not allow him to sleep off his hangover. That's correct. I bet he
1: stadium <laughs> <lost> stairs, bro. <laughs> yeah. Stadium stairs. Or whatever stairs. else that entails. I don't even want to know. That That is stadium stairs, and nobody cares. And people are like, oh, oh Oklahoma player, public in talks. It's like Hashtag college kickers. It's a kicker. You know, like, it's a kicker. Nobody cares. So, let's kind of move on to the Riley presser. Riley noted something that I thought was pretty intriguing. He said that Oklahoma has played some fantastic players. Jared King. Jared King. And, to an extent, DTR from what we saw against Wazoo.
0: When he gets protection, he's a nice quarterback. He really is. He obviously didn't have that against OU. Yeah.
1: And, like, Houston's collection of talent, wide receivers, running back, and quarterback, very good. Um, Oklahoma's played some fantastic players up to this point, but not necessarily fantastic teams. And getting in the Big Twelve play, you will face that. Um,
0: Although not in these first two games. Is
1: that coach speak, or is he being honest with you?
0: He's being honest. That that checks out.
1: And what teams in the Big Twelve are you going to be playing that are legitimate team matchups to where you don't, where you can't focus your attention on one to two players in the Big Twelve, Texas? Maybe OSU. Kansas State looks pretty sharp. K-State looks good. They look like traditional K-State football, just renewed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like rejuvenated. You know what I mean? Because the last few years they haven't been. Yeah. It's like you go to the doctor and got a B-12 injection in your butt, and that's K-State again. So K-State reborn out of the ashes of just K-State football. They look good. Disciplined, athletic, execution. These are the words you used to say. I still
0: think Iowa State's going to be pretty good. Hey, they beat Louisiana Monroe. At se- they scored seventy on them. They had like a forty point
1: discrepancy there. Florida State had a one point discrepancy. TCU's quarterback discussion is not good. It's not good. No, I feel bad for Jalen Rager. Should have been a sooner, but at the same time, if he was was Hollywood Brown, would not be a sooner. So there's that trade off.
0: It's one of the more intriguing questions in OU recent which, OU Which would you history. rather have, Jalen Rager or Marquise Brown? See, you'd get three years of Rager. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So
1: I don't know. I, I mean, love Hollywood. So regardless, whatever. you got dynamic wide receiver play, and you're still going to get it. But I mean, Oklahoma. I thought he's just he. I thought he was just really interesting that Lincoln Riley made sure to make a note of we played good individual players, but we're about to go forth with. T- playing team ball now. It's like, ooh, that's interesting why you would say that. And he also brought up defensive recruits. And I thought it was interesting because this is something that I've been preaching for the past however many podcasts. Like, yes, the recruits are backing off. Yes, the recruits aren't there yet in the, you know, all the guys that have been Oklahoma recruits previously that were defensive backs, a lot of them decommitted, right? And Dante Manning, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm not too worried right now. He didn't, Dante Manning didn't commit anywhere. Because a lot of these defensive players are taking what I think most likely would to be happen, which appears to be happening, a wait and see approach on this Lincoln Riley defense on this Alex Grinch defense because so like, far they
0: haven't dropped the ball like, in
1: that regard though you know, you can preach it all day but unless if you're give, still giving up historic numbers in Norman or on the road then it, nothing's changed but it's getting to the point where Dante Manning is like I need I need to make a return visit to Norman I'm intrigued they're in there's are they're, they're coming back into the fold as far as like you know the speedy thing might be real and, like, they can say, hey, we've made a leap here. And with you, we can make the even bigger leap the next year. And so it's it's good. You know, so far, the defense, SP, I believe they're ranked in the uh, upper 40s mm-hmm. uh, because of this past weekend they didn't play. They're other- seventh and third down defense, which is
0: huge compared to last what? year.
1: What? So you mean you get pressure on the quarterback and force a Weird bad how throw? That works. That's crazy, man. And you just don't do play a two-gap scheme and just like let the quarterback just see over you. I hate you, Mike Stoops. I hope you're enjoying your coffee job at Alabama, getting Nick Saban his coffee. Make sure two two splendas like clean light cream, buddy. What do
0: you think Mike Stoops and Butch Jones talk about? Is Butch Jones still at Alabama being an intern?
1: I believe so. Yeah. I don't think they talk. I, think, I don't think they talk that much. I think they probably just like sit around and make like caveman noises to each other. Garb. pretty much
0: they both just like sit there and get red in the face
1: yeah uh oh what was that thing that butch jones said champions of life mm-hmm. yeah champions of life when better you get, than most when you're getting nick saban his coffee in the morning and stuff like that it's real good stuff um but yeah the defense it has for recruits it has been a wait and see approach and We'll talk about that in a little bit later. But, I'm, like, I'm saying, yeah, they haven't done anything to hurt that effort so oh, far. Oh, definitely they, not. They've looked good. I mean, five turnovers through two games, and they had 11 total last year? Like, what? And, yeah, five, all of those have come in the last two games, too. Yeah. So, I mean, they, you can see that
0: the ball is rolling at this point.
1: And they're looking for the ball, and you're having to, you know, Jalen Redmond's over here splitting freaking triple teams and being violent. And it's the kind of defensive football that you're like, okay, yeah, I'm into this. Like, they are violently getting upfield and doing some It's fun to watch as a fan, too. Oh, my God. It really is. I I, I have stopped paying attention to the back four or five, and I straight up, I'm just looking at the front seven. Because it never really comes to the back four. Yeah. At this point, yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God, they just tried to double-team Ronnie Perkins, and now there's a sack. And it's just like, it's so amazing to see Oklahoma go from two-gap to one-gap because people want to talk about it all summer. Like, oh, you're playing up the two-gap, one-gap scheme too much. No, it's a big deal for guys like this at Oklahoma that we knew these are four-star guys. Neville Gallimore was a big recruit coming out of high school. These are four-star guys. Some fringe five-star guys, they're really, really good dynamic athletes. And you let them run loose, they can be good. These aren't the two- and three-star kids at Wazoo that Alex Grinch got them to, like, the 19th best defense in the country regarding SNP. and these are You saw how much they've declined defensively. Of, cu- of course, right? Years. I mean, oh, yeah. And so it's just like people are taking notice. National media is taking notice. Kirk Herbstreet, when we talked to him, is taking notice. Everybody's noticing what it is. But then we have a bated breath for Big 12 play. Texas Tech coming to Norman.
0: Jet Duffy. I think I think you will be okay. And
1: not Alan Bowman, right? <laughs> so, hey, we're going to talk about that game in Norman along with this big recruiting weekend kind of going on uh, right after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. All right, Jack. This Saturday, Oklahoma, Oklahoma Sooners versus the Texas Tech Red Raiders in Norman. 11 a.m. kickoff. Early birds on Fox. Oklahoma is a 27-point favorite. After I think you talked about maybe 22-point favorite opening. 23 and a half. I think and it and opened. Yeah. Um, biggest storyline though. Before I said for the break is that you know this this was supposed to be Oklahoma's first real test, Big 12. Alan Bowman um, can ball. I mean, he's a decent quarterback. He's a great quarterback, for that, especially for that system. And we're thinking, you know, Houston, Cougars, Oklahoma, they'll get by them. They have dynamic athletes, but they have the line. South Dakota, South Dakota. UCLA stinks, and then we saw what happened in the Rose Bowl, what they did against Washington State. And we're like, you know what? Texas Tech, not a bad team. They could probably make a bowl game. Their offense is always really, really well-tuned, but their defense is always garbage, so Oklahoma usually ends up winning that game if they can't, if they don't turn the ball over. Their
0: defense has been pretty okay, actually, it's been okay. up to this point. It's been okay. Holding I mean, Arizona to 28 points when your offense isn't doing anything, Yeah, that, that's not bad. Arizona's also bad. Not offensively, though. They're bad. They're a bad team, but, I mean, they have Khalil Tate. That's true. They can score on people. They're a shitty team. They held they UTEP
1: score. to three. Texas Tech. Yeah. And that's been, that's just, it's just different, but... Anyway, yeah, their defense has been a little bit better. The biggest storyline, which is disappointing to me, is no Allen Bowman. I wanted to see this Oklahoma Sooners team against, all right, I right, they say, all right, this speed D, it's taking steps forward. Well, is it really? Show me against Texas Tech when they play Allen Bowman and the Red Raiders, because he can sling it everywhere. Short routes, intermediate routes, long routes, that... That route tree is designed to make simple throws into simple areas in zones, and they will make your defensive backs furious. And um, turns out he's made of glass. He's hurt. It's not even leaky lung this time. Yeah. It's a, what is it, shoulder? I think shoulder. Got a broken wing. Uh, but now you've got Jet Duffy. So here's the deal. Jet Duffy is presumably the starter, but their coach, Matt Wells, that we saw a big Told media days said, you know, Jet Duffy's likely a de facto guy, but you're going to see more than likely, and they they came out with with a report about this yesterday or today or something like that, Duffy will start and get the majority of snaps, but Jackson Tyner, a transfer from Rice, will see some spot duty. So you will see both quarterbacks this Saturday. How
0: does that make you feel? I need to see a little more of Jackson Tyner.
1: He didn't play much at Rice. Yeah,
0: so I'm not that worried.
1: <laughs> Jet Duffy's going to be the guy that runs your read options and kind of scrambles, whereas Jackson Tyner's going to be your guy that's going to actually just sling the ball is basically what I've gathered from watching video. So
0: you're going to know what you're going to get when you have Siege quarterback out on the field, essentially.
1: It's true, but has that stopped, Oklahoma- has it stopped uh, opposing offenses through this defense in the past?
0: No. Because remember,
1: remember last year's Tech game, Oklahoma got down early because Kyler threw two horrible interceptions in Lubbock. But they did become one-dimensional in the second half when Jet Duffy came in, and the defense kind of did well. They got three and outs and stuff like that. Well, they they got three and outs for, like the first three possessions, yeah. because like... It was one like okay. Then know. they started throwing deep and becoming a little more dynamic and so J- they weren't as predictable. And then Duffy then started just throwing bombs in Oklahoma, and just like throwing lame ducks in the over the middle of the defense. Would have been intercepted if they turned around. Yes, that's correct. But, you know, you know, time time is a uh, hindsight's 2020. But Jet Duffy after his first three drives cuz he was bad and Oklahoma made them look foolish like uh, Oklahoma's got this game in the bag and they still remained competitive throughout the rest of the game. And uh, I really, you know, I'm just, I'm bummed out. I expect Oklahoma to win this game. Do I know, if, do I think they'll cover the spread? I don't know yet. I, I
0: don't think they will. I think part of that is because you see so much rotation late in the game, I could see a
1: backdoor cover happening yeah. here.
0: I wouldn't put money on it.
1: I mean, could I see Oklahoma 52-27 and just making it even? I could see that easily. But could I also see Oklahoma 52-35? I could see that or easily too. I mean, it, it Texas Tech... Their offense is designed to score points. Duh, any offense is, but desi- their design their offense is designed to be wide open to score easy points. So I'm just I'm disappointed that we're not gonna get to see the real deal. Alan Bowman, Texas Tech, to see what the Oklahoma defense, especially, you know, Kenneth Murray, um, whether it's gonna be Ryan Jones or Deshaun White controlling the airwaves over the middle of the defense, along with Buki and along with Trey Brown, Jaden Davis, um, and you're not going to see, really, DeLarian Turner yell, and you're not going to see Pat Fields be tested as much as they would if an Alan Bowman would. Now, at the same time, do we really want to see DeLarian Turner yell and Patrick Fields tested? No. <laughs> not right it's gonna now. It's going to be better for my stress levels this way, yeah. I'll say that. But, you know, those are things Because that... Tech would probably give OU a bit of a game, at least for two oh, or three yeah. quarters if th- they had Bowman. It's just, it's just things that they keep you up at night, and—, and um, Alex Grinch mentioned that he's got to coach better. He's got to coach those guys better. He said, they're doing all right. They're not doing that great, but he's got to coach them better so they can be better. So I do like that. The staff is not shy on saying, hey, we just, you know, they got to be better. Like Mike Supes, remember I remember him saying, oh, well, they got to be better. They got to be better in those spots. And Alex Grinch is, and this staff is saying that no, we have to coach them better so they can understand better. And I like the attitude uh, because it's it's a leadership from the top down. They all understand what's going on. So, but the real question here is: Will the Texas Tech folks in Lubbock ever let the Mayfield stuff go? They no. had, they had Pat. They Matt. have to cling to stuff like they that. They had Patrick Mahomes, who I think is actually better than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, absolutely. I would take Pat. Uh, this is going to be blasphemy. I'm it's sorry. true, but I would take Pat <laughs> Mahomes over Baker Mayfield. Yeah in the pros and college. Yeah. You put Pat Mahomes if you, I, I without hesitation, yeah. If you flip-flop them and Baker Mayfield has a great career at Tech and Pat Mahomes has a great year, a great career at OU, Pat Mahomes still win, still wins at Heisman. Baker Mayfield, does he get drafted as highly? No. Well, maybe, but probably not. He probably gets drafted in the middle rounds, but they see probably the same success. I would think. But Mahomes, Baker gets a shot, I would say. I would see he would get a shot too, but And just, he would
0: he would. I. This is a weird thing to say, but I feel like Baker Mayfield, the way he was with improvising and stuff like that, he might have led Texas Tech to a better record than what. Yeah, Mahomes did. Now because Mahomes had a five and seven season in there somewhere. Yeah,
1: I don't know if that happens under Baker Mayfield. It's intriguing. It, it's a about. it's a weird dynamic. And just I just having flashbacks to that. Baker versus Mahomes duel, just back and forth, back and forth. See, at the time, it was so
0: embarrassing, and, and then, seemed like a microcosm of Big Twelve football and stuff like that. And it was. Now we can go look but at now it. Now we can look back and say, "Hey, that Holy was Mahomes shit. against Baker." Mayfield. Those are two of the
1: best quarterbacks of call. Those are two of the best college ball quarterbacks of all time. And Baker
0: had so many weapons at his disposal that are currently in the NFL. In that game, you know, Dede Westbrook, uh, Joe mm-hmm. Mixon, Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. It was fireworks. It's just interesting. They didn't even have Samajay that night. Nope. He was still hurt. Yep,
1: it's you know it's intriguing, and you'll I'll never forget that Joe Mixon one-handed catch on fourth that down. Was insane one-handed catch on fourth down. He heads and he housed it. Didn't even break stride. My goodness, it's the gloves, man. Have you seen those gloves? Oh God, yeah. It's stupid, but. Yeah, I don't think the Tech fans will ever let the Baker stuff go. We're, it doesn't help that they're classless assholes. And, but I, f- I feel like s- I feel like some of the fan base will let it go. But every time somebody says, oh, yeah, well, you know, you got to give Cliff Kingsbury credit for Baker Mayfield, that pisses me off. It's the
0: same people who say, you know, try to credit someone for uh, Kyler Murray. I mean, he had, okay. Baker had four years with Lincoln Riley. He had a semester with Kingsbury. Yes. How on God's green earth do you take the credit away from Lincoln Riley?
1: Well, for uh, he... uh, It is so Cl- stupid. Cliff Kingsbury allowed him to walk on so he gets the credit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think about that. That's a Mike Gundy thing. Just yep. fart into the microphone. Calling um, people
0: jackasses. <laughs> that person was a jackass who called into the teleconference. <laughs> he fell for satire, essentially. Oh,
1: that's good stuff. I love it. How do you feel about? Because you, you you talked about these. You talked about the tech fans, and I've been around several fans in the Big Twelve. You know, going to their stadiums and hosting them in Norman, and by far, even being around the Texas fans in the Big Twelve title game in the, in in Dallas in the Red River Shootout. The Texas Tech fans are by far the
0: worst fans I've ever been around. I would say that every other fan base in this conference is generally fine. The ones that are left over. Well, West Virginia, they can be pretty
1: wild. They're they can wild. be obnoxious, but I generally like them and I respect them but, as like, fans. When they, I don't respect Texas Tech fans. When they fans. tailgate, when those West Virginia fans tailgate, they are so nice and they are so inviting. Give you moonshine and shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. They're so nice and so inviting. They can be,
0: you know, there's some crazies, obviously, within that fan base, and they can be pretty obnoxious, yeah. but generally they're...
1: I mean, they burn couches, you know? Yeah,
0: but Texas Tech fans, I, I have zero respect for them whatsoever. Like, I mean, I just, and See, this was just... See, even, like, Texas and Oklahoma State, like, generally people outside the Big 12 thinks they think those fan bases are kind of classy, essentially, because, right. like, when they're not facing someone like OU... They're usually pretty tame, yeah. essentially. But I feel like the Big 12 lost its worst fan bases They lost Missouri. Yep. Missouri fans are assholes. They lost Colorado. When
1: Colorado's good, they're uh, really they're the bad. Worst. They're the worst, yeah. Then A&M, A&M fans,
0: they're not mean. They're, they're, they're a cult. They're hospitable. They're a cult. But they are a cult, and they're delusional. Oh, man, it's so bad. The, but, yeah, seriously, they are hospitable, though. Have you been to Kyle Field? They're nice people. have been there. It's cool. It's cool.
1: And I saw I saw a post on Sags though that they're were, not a rabid fan. Base, I saw a that. post on Techsags. The, they're I'm, just. I'm stupid. sure you saw the post on Sags Maybe that they're the quote the the subject was how does Oklahoma do it? We out recruit them every year, <laughs> every year. Get out of here. And then, and then one of, and people were just like, they develop their talent better. Their play calling's better. And then somebody said. I think Lincoln Riley's actually still Larry Coker. He's just got a lot of talent around him. Oh, good creep. And I was like, yep, yeah, that's Tex-Aggs. But I thought it was really funny. They're like, how does Lincoln Riley do it? We have this schlub, Jimbo Fisher for it. I love messing with the Aggies. But Aggie fans, man, the last time they were in Norman, Baker Mayfield was real excited. It was, it was, it was a homecoming game for them coming into Norman, and Baker would get to greet them. Who was that tight end that he played with for that one year? Oh gosh, I'm losing my mind. He plays for the he played for the Jets for Jay a minute. Ajay Samaro. Uh, Samaro, thank you. And really ba- good
0: tight end, yeah.
1: Baker Mayfield threw an interception early on in the year, and he's like, "Oh, yep, remember that? I remember that happening." And I'm like, "Wow, I, that's the worst." And then I just remember like, these are very obnoxious people, rude to all the fans, and um, I turn around and I was like, "Are these drunk Oui fans?" And I turned around and there's the Tech fans, and they were just saying the worst, like they were, they just. Were sh- it, was, it was shocking to me. It was shocking. I never heard fans from an opposing fan base because, you know, I would I would like to think Oklahoma fans, for the most part, pretty hospitable, pretty nice. And so, like, if we're just like, you know. They're at the
0: very least not disrespectful. Yeah. Texas Tech fans are blatantly
1: disrespectful. And I just, I don't get it. Um, But how do you feel about their tortilla tossing at the games?
0: I feel like they're wasting tortillas. I love tortillas. Are you a
1: flour or a corn tortilla man? Flour. I like corn tortillas.
0: Corn tortillas are better. I I would say like for street tacos, Mm-hmm. but just uh, for multi purpose, I would say flour. Like if you're at, you know, a Tex Mex place in Oklahoma, like yeah. Ted's or something like that, flour is the way to go.
1: Have you been to? a... Oh, what's that taco place down in Norman? It's a. Their motto is damn good tacos or something like that.
0: Oh, Torchies? Torchies. Yeah. I love Torchies.
1: Corn tortilla every single time. Really?
0: I do yes. flour every time
1: there. It's I get so the good,
0: man. the uh, trailer park uh, hillbilly style. Yeah, if that's tor- the way if to Torchies
1: go. wants to pay us for this plug, you know, that's that's fine too, right? I, I, I wouldn't hate it. I mean they could pay us in tacos, I don't know. Yeah, in tacos, avocado, you know guacamole. No avocado for me, oh, I'm allergic, but whoa, oh okay. Yeah. Well, that's okay then. That's yeah
0: <laughs> Not, um, like, deathly allergic, but it's, like, irritation. Well, we we are learning deal.
1: things about each other on the podcast about avocados. But, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I get it, the whole tortilla thing. It's West Texas. It makes sense. It's tradition. But at the same time, you are like, come on. The tortillas are fine. Throwing the batteries. The 9-volt, 8-volt batteries. Come on. Why? They're bad people. But why? Like, what's the point? And the, and the stadium managers, they're like, okay, it's fine. Oh, let me check your uh, fanny pack. You got, oh, you they got have tortillas? to keep their helmets on on the sideline. That's outrageous to me, but whatever. Um, I've never been to a game there, and I don't plan on doing that. I'm intrigued to go, but there's no Mike Leach there anymore, so I'm less intrigued than I used to be. By the way, if you haven't read Swing Your Sword by Mike Leach... It's one hell of a read. Are we
0: going to have him on the podcast sometime?
1: Man, let's do it. We need to reach. Yeah, I shoot an email with their Sid at Washington State. Yeah. He, he, the last time I talked to him, he was on his way back from the office, and it was one hell of a talk. We had talked about conspiracy theories.
0: And you're a you know you're a history teacher, so you oh, can yeah. ask him all sorts of. questions. I did. Yeah, it
1: was great. He, the man loves him some Geronimo and uh, other Native American um, defense tactics. Loves it. A lot. That's outstanding. Yeah, it's great. But let's talk about keys to the game. What are some specific things that you think will get Oklahoma, let's say, over this proverbial hump against Texas Tech? Turnovers and getting pressure. Things think that simple? Those are, yeah, I think kind of, yeah. (laughs) Is there any offensive key or do you think they just keep rolling?
0: Keep rolling. I mean, they're going up against a defense that hasn't been a pushover this year. Yeah.
1: They did more physical. But oh, the
0: Oklahoma offense is the Oklahoma offense. The offensive line—they've had a little more time to gel. They've had this bye week. Yep. Marquise Hayes has been able to heal a little bit more. He looked pretty good against UCI, though. He did look good. So he did look good. I'm not too concerned about that. But uh, yeah. I mean, I just don't see anyone until maybe the only defense on Oklahoma's schedule that I could really see slowing them down is Texas. Honestly. Maybe maybe Iowa State.
1: Maybe TCU?
0: Maybe TCU. But TCU just got lit up by Garrett or, uh
1: Shane Bouchel. I almost said Garrett Bouchel his brother. Played you, baseball at OU, oh, but, uh, well you know that's the best quarterback in the state of Texas right now. That's probably Pocket true. passer. Pocket passer.
0: No, pocket he, passer he's he's not better than Ellinger, but uh no. He's the best he is the best passer in the state, I'll say yeah. that.
1: He has the best arm. Yeah. I I think that I think that's true. I think he's the best pocket passer in the state of Texas right now. I think that's correct. Uh, because Ellinger and Derek King and um, whoever the heck they have at TCU right now—they have like three guys are trying out. Alex Delton. <laughs> uh, you know these guys aren't—they're not. They're Did not he play busters. at all
0: against SMU? Delton has he played much? I don't much?
1: think so. I don't, he hasn't played that much at all.
0: Well, That makes sense
1: because he's not good. Well, who's the quarterback down at Baylor? Is it Brewer? Oh, Brewer. Yeah, he's good. He's helped. He's really good. He's really. But good. is he a pocket passer? He's got some. Yeah, he, I mean, to him. he can be. Yeah, I mean, he's he's
0: a guy who can scramble around, obviously, but he can obviously operate within the pocket as yeah. well. But I, I agree
1: to your I agree I agree to your keys of the game. I mean, I don't
0: playing, think this is going to be very complicated.
1: It's it's not a complicated game plan. I think I think it's as simple as it is. As far as a make sure you're getting pressure, which I think because Texas Tech they still play with their their with their splits a little wide because of you know how much you are going to pass the ball. And that's going to—I think Oklahoma's going to just run downhill on them as much as they can. Now, are you going to see busts in coverage? <laughs> yeah. Um, are you going to see Oklahoma mistakes? Definitely. But are you going to see Oklahoma also create negative plays and possible turnovers off these negative plays? Oh, yeah. I, I think you are 100%. Um, so, yeah, I agree. You know, I would say pressure, getting pressure on the quarterback and forcing turnovers or forcing turnover turnovers are going to be big to this game. Offense, I do think they might have a little bit of a difficult time because UCLA's defense was bad. Uh, Keyshawn Lu- Lucier South was a massive presence against Wazzu that Oklahoma didn't have to deal with. Yeah, um, Houston was nothing to brag home about at all. At that's, But that's to be also saying that Oklahoma had a bye week to get better and get more on track of what they want to do on offense. So. Oklahoma is probably going to. They step might up. show some new wrinkles. They're going to step up their game as well on offense. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about the offense, but defense. Just make the plays that are there, and everything will be fine. Really, that that's about it. Make the plays that are there, and everything will figure itself out. What you got on a score prediction? Mm.
0: I think I'm going to go fifty-two seventeen. That would be covering, but I wouldn't bet on them covering.
1: All right, if that makes sense. Let me go Oklahoma, fifty-two. 34.
0: 34? 30, damn, all right.
1: With Duffy? Hmm. I'm just saying. It's I think ha- you're going to
0: see multiple
1: turnovers. You think Probably so? three, yeah. If it's a rainy day Saturday morning, that bodes well.
0: Oh, of course. And it, it's supposed to rain, so. All
1: right, so let's say this. If it's dry, 52-34. If it is a wet morning in Norman, Oklahoma, it turns into 56 56- 24. Okay. And what is that? A
0: that's a cover. I'm gonna go 17. Yeah, I I, I really am confident in No Defense
1: against a guy like Jet Duffy. Because what's what's who has moved the ball in Oklahoma? Well, in spots is UCLA and Houston. Did they move the ball well in Oklahoma because of their passing game? No. No, but the threat of the pass was there.
0: The threat of the pass is not there with Texas Tech. It's they moved the different. ball
1: well on Oklahoma because. The threat of the pass was there and Derek king and DTR just scampered up the field for 15 20 yards. So, Jed Duffy, the threat of the pass is not mi- there. mildly there. I mean, he might toss that lame duck up. Mild is generous. But um but yeah, I mean, I I don't really have a I don't I'm not fearful of his passing game. No. But At the same time, so they can focus on
0: Stopping the run
1: there. I wasn't. I. I they could even spy on him kind of like they did with Derek King. I wasn't fearful of it last year either, but then you know they kept it competitive towards the end of the game, so it's a different defense, though.
0: It is a very different
1: defense. We said that last year after the first three games. So I'm hesitant.
0: I understand that,
1: but you, there are noticeable changes. I am shell shocked. Let me tell you, we're,
0: we're we're all
1: a little traumatized
0: by the past three years,
1: and I I was thinking about this today. Um. Man, I wonder what Trey Norwood would, would be a part of, be, what he would be doing, and how big of a piece he would be in this defense had be he been healthy.
0: he probably be playing a lot of nickel.
1: Nickel. Uh, definitely would be spelling uh, Trey Brown or something. Yeah. You, you would have a good rotation of cornerbacks, at least, between Jaden Davis, Trey Brown, Parnell Motley, and Trey Norwood. Those are the, those are guys you can rely on. Or, honestly, you might have had Trey Norwood. Safety. That see seat- the way, yeah, he played safety against Texas. That's correct. He played safety a lot at the end of the and year. And he gained there. a bit of
0: weight in the offseason, so he could have helped maybe a little bit so, more with the run. I mean, I'm not that confident in that regard just because he was so – he was built like a twig. But uh, Yeah,
1: and th- those are things I just think about my, my random daily commute. But uh, let's talk about recruiting at this OU Tech game because there are guys that are coming to Norman. You've got two guys that are committed to Texas, and Texas is – literally in a world of hurt right now and you've got princely uman milan uh who's a defensive lineman who's florida he's flirted with the oklahomans before with the oklahomans with the oklahoma seniors before and but we always thought or i always thought he was pretty committed to texas but we'll see what happens on the visit uh joshua eaton big time prospect out of houston a db guy you know maybe a guy that is on a wait-and-see approach for this entire speed D that Roy Manning loves to scream at his FaceTime every night. Linebacker Antonio Daniel out of Missouri, which has treated the Sooners well, very well. The St. Louis region, for sure. Very well for the past few years. And having that Brian Odom connection, that Missouri connection, you know, that's an interesting one. And, of course, Mikey Henderson, an OU commit. Swiss Army Knife. Swiss Army knife to the extreme. He plays quarterback, and they're recruiting him to play fullback or H back. So that guy wants to be a sooner. And of course, I mentioned this earlier. Dante Manning, and OU, are talking big time. Back, and I'm not saying back in the fold. I'm not saying he's going to recommit. But, but like I'm, we were saying, you know, OU's keeping themselves in it with so, what they've done so far but defensively. Oklahoma is keeping themselves in it. It's not the Stoops era anymore. Stoops era is you shun me. I'm turning my back on you. You're done. That's what happened with Rager. They said, don't go on the visit. Don't go on the TCU visit. He did it anyways. Stoops was done. Cut him off. And Lincoln Riley's like, no, you know, what? If, if it's not for them, it's not for them. But the door is always welcome. It's always open for more conversation. And they'll continue to recruit. And, again, Dante Manning, the situation could be a place where they reinvite him and he commits again, just like a C.D. lamb. That's the way Lincoln Riley does things. And, um, you know, he wants it. And he said, Dante Manny straightforward, said he wants to make it back to Norman for an official. So this weekend, you can tell, is big on defense. Defensive lineman, defensive back, outside linebacker. And you're also hosting an OU commit that loves OU to its fullest extent. He can recruit a little bit. And he can recruit a little bit, exactly. So do I expect any booms this weekend, any eyeballs this weekend? I'm not. I'm not expecting them. Now I was expecting one from Aaron Parks, and I just totally dropped the ball on that one. Which I is was a, able to get. A, which is a funny story. Pretty quick. So it's <laughs> <all> good. <laughs> Jack's like, "Hey, dude, uh, do you write this up on Aaron Parks?" And I was like, "Oh, I was gonna do that tomorrow because I knew he was gonna commit very soon." And then he was like, "Well, he just committed." I was like, "Oh shit, I dropped the ball." <laughs> so. But
0: hey, recruiting man. posts take like 10 minutes at the most. <laughs> no, they're not it's much. not a huge deal. They're not much.
1: But I was like, oh, damn. Okay, oops. But yeah, five quality offensive linemen, four-star kids that are just all over the nation. Bill Beatembo doing freaking work, man. Five four-stars. One Andrew Rame who... It should be a five-star. Yeah, Best absolutely. kid out of Oklahoma. Absolutely. Bill Beatembo stacking it. Just stacking it. Killing the game. No longer are the days of them turning tight ends like Brody Eldridge and Lane Johnson into offensive linemen. Not that there was anything wrong with that, by the way. They were both very good. He just wants big, mean men, and he's getting those big, mean men. And like, cause John, we thought Jonah Monheim for the long, the Monheim steamroller. You gave him a nickname. I did. I'm and still proud of it. He went. He went to USC, and then he says, "All right, I'll do you one better. I'll get a guy committed that." perform better at these camps and is highly and is higher rated than jonah so we'll see how it works out but uh right now just right now texas is injured all and of texas arguably, and this is bad news and here's here's the reason why so anwar richardson tweeted out tom herman said caden stearns will be out for four weeks with a tibia injury or four weeks well he, for he he later said, typo, four weeks. So, oh, yeah. okay. Now, with a tibia injury, Josh Thompson, broken foot, going to miss a lot of time. Jalen Green, dislocated shoulder, out for four weeks. Marcus Tillman, MCL sprain, will be out for the rest of the year. Uh, Tillman's a linebacker, and the rest of these guys are defensive backs. Caden Stearns, Josh Thompson, most notable starters. Very important players, especially Caden Stearns. And let's couple that. The person who
0: probably should have been the Big 12 preseason defensive player of the year.
1: That's what I named him. Granted, Kenneth Murray, I think, has been better so Mm -hmm. far. And on top of this, Texas was one of the last in the country in defensive production returning. And now you pile these guys onto the injury list. And it's not like they were killing the game defensively as is. No blame. They were not. Now, could I see maybe them having this bye week and resting up and then trying to suit up for Oklahoma in basically three weeks and seeing if it's worth it and playing at 70%? I could see them doing that. At the same time, could I see them say, yeah, maybe they'll go and they won't go? I could see that happening too because that's happened for the past however many years. But it's just it's interesting, and it's not good for Texas um and it's just you know it's it's just like what do you say like oh yeah this guy's hurt this guy's out this guy broke his foot this guy tore his mcl it's just like what the hell like and this is a problem with tom herman remember when he was at houston he sold out his entire off season on that team running those tom herman death camps as practices that way He had them operating at midseason form to play Oklahoma at NRG with Houston. And they wouldn't beat the Sooners physically.
0: And then they fell off
1: after that. And they fell apart mid-season. He beat the shit. And I know this for a fact. He beat the shit out of Texas this offseason. Ran his Tom Herman death camp once again. Trying to beat LSU. Selling out to BLCU didn't work out, and now you have guys dropping like flies on the field against Oklahoma State, which, albeit, is not the most physical Big 12 team in the conference in Austin. It's not like they're a different, you know, opponent's stadium where they don't pump air conditioning into the visitors' locker rooms. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know how that worked. Who the hell knows? <laughs> but it's just like, wow. Shocking. I mean, good news for Oklahoma in a couple weeks, but it, it, part of you hates to see it because you want to see best on best. Also, part of you wants to see Oklahoma win, so you don't really care that much. I'd like to see another 65-13. I'm down for it. and so it's, just, it's just, man, it's crazy. And then talking about crazy, Paul Feinbaum and his show has always been nuts. Phyllis, rammer-bammer, Brammer jammer, bammer, hammer, whatever the hell they say. Yellow hammer. Yeah, yeah. Paul Feinbaum basically doing a mental health check via tweet on our good old boy Barry Trammell, who does write some pretty good stuff. I'll give him that. writes some pretty great stuff in the Oklahoma sometimes. He's a good storyteller. He is very good. And he is not a good football mind, though. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum says he tweets... Barry Trammell and says, Barry Trammell with one of the more unique top 10 lists that we've seen this year so far. Spot anyone missing? And then he has a quote from Barry. It says, I base my rankings on what teams have done this year, not last year. Well, let's read them off one through 10. Number one, Auburn. Number two, LSU. Number three, the California Bears. They have looked kind of good, but that's that's still absurd. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Georgia. Number six, wisconsin number seven florida who has looked garbage by the way number eight is iowa which is just like the most iowa thing ever number nine usc who's already lost a game and number 10 k-state who has played nobody but mississippi state right but they look good doing it
0: like i understand what he's trying to do here but even even by that logic how would you have Clemson ahead of Georgia and Wisconsin?
1: It's Barry, dude. There's no Alabama here. There's no OU here. Like
0: he's, I, I don't understand why he's trying to die on this hill. I guess maybe it's for attention or something. Attention like that, clicks. Who knows? But like, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to pay it no mind, but I can't because it's
1: everywhere. Like, I just don't. I base my rankings on what teams have done this year and not last this year. This
0: isn't what the top 25 is. It is It is who, it's a combination of what they've done and what you think they are. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. And he's taking out the second part of the equation he's for said, no oh, reason. Oh, what,
1: what have they done? Have they played a good non con schedule, is basically what this list is. is that, isn't that right? Have they played a good non con, or have the first three games of the season been decent opponents? That's basically what this boils down to, right? It just seems pointless. I I don't...
0: It's a talking point. Yeah. That's all it is. One thing that I am a little interested in, I was thinking about this earlier today with Clemson. Okay. They, if I'm not mistaken, they don't have a ranked team left on their schedule. Oh, the ACC is garbage. Horrible. So, when we see these college football playoff rankings start rolling out mid-season... Clemson, obviously, they're the defending national champions. They returned a lot of talent. Everyone knows they're great, even though they've kind of looked shaky at times. But everyone knows they're great. How much is the playoff committee going to penalize them for their strength of schedule, knowing that they are the defending national champions? Mm-hmm. How are they going to approach that? You know, I'm, I'm interested to see whether they really enforce... All of that, if they apply it to Clemson,
1: that's a good question. Because they've been awfully kind to Clemson in the past. It seemed like no, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't, I don't know how they will do that. That's, that's 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 rather odd.
0: Like, will they start them out at like number four if they're four undefeated Power Five teams? I mean, because they haven't played anyone. Their only team they've played is Texas A and M, and they're not playing anyone between now and then. So, you know, I honestly. It doesn't really matter because it'll all work itself out in the end, and they're going to go with the four teams that make the most sense. They're not going to pick the four most deserving. They're not going to pick the four best. They're going to pick the four that make sense. Right. That's how they really do it. This whole four best team thing is more of just a marketing slogan than anything else. I mean,
1: you know Clemson's going to get in regardless. Yeah, of course.
0: They're not going to lose to anyone.
1: Um, yeah, they're not going to lose anyone, and I think that's, I don't know, it's just it's, a it's just conclusion. a thing
0: that popped into my head. Yeah. I don't know. How are they gonna apply it to Clemson?
1: Right. They're they're not. They're not. Previous titles, you know? Um, UCLA versus Wazoo. Did you actually tune into the end of that game? No, I didn't. I, I I had to wake up at five AM on Sunday morning for work.
0: So I fell asleep like in the second quarter of that game. Then I woke up and saw all these tweet notifications on my phone and the reaction to that was not unlike my reaction to waking up to seeing the Paul George trade news. (laughs) It was that shocking based on what I had seen up to that point. I mean, and like, yeah, we talked about this earlier when DTR gets time in the pocket, he's pretty effective and he has some really good weapons. To work with as well. Yeah, he's got some good skill position players there.
1: Yeah, when Joshua he,
0: Kelly's a good running back. When they roll the, he's pocket got some
1: really good receivers and give him time to throw and let him be his athlete and find just guys wide open down the seam. <laughs> yeah, works great.
0: I mean, if their offensive line can click, maybe they could hit six wins. I don't know,
1: but I mean, I just they I was playing the Pac-12 it. South, which sucks. I went over to one of my buddies' house. uh he uh he's his ad is at thundermob405 he writes for hoops habit and stuff like that you know he's he's a good dude he's trying he's getting credentialed to go cover okc stuff you know and um we um we were watching the game at his house and uh, we watched the osu game at his house the osu texas game eating brisket it was fantastic by the way and uh I went home, and later that night, he's like, hold up. He texted me said, hold up. Are you watching this? And I was like, what are you talking about, or are you watching this? He said, are you watching this UCLA game right now? I was like, no. I turned it off. It was 49-17. No, I'm not watching it. He's like, change the damn channel right now. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. And, and it, it was 38-49. And... They like, somebody turned the ball over, or somehow UCLA got the ball back, threw a bomb downfield, and they're immediately inside Walsy's five-yard line, and that's when the fun started. Oh, my gosh, it was so fun to watch. And then I kept on thinking of Mike Leach and his his rants while he was at Texas Tech in the locker room, and I was thinking, oh, my God, he is going to literally sacrifice a goat and a player in the locker room after the game. That's disbelief. You're winning forty nine to seventeen. You break Gardner Minshew's like record late in the third. Yeah, like, like in the fans, nobody in that stadium was thinking you said I can come back. A lot
0: back. of people pulled the whole oh, OU, leave at halftime, yeah. go to O'Connell's" routine.
1: And boy, man, but it showed that it showed what DTR was capable of, and it showed you what he's capable of if he had a good system. So you know, DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I heard a I hear a pretty good quarterback were in Norman. I'm just. I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something. Every
0: so. quarterback rumor circles back to Norman. Of course. We it, just have to live with
1: this. There's a quarterback whisperer there. I don't know. We just have to live I with it and
0: roll our eyes and just let it pass. I don't know his don't name, give it any attention. but I hear
1: that he's really good. The quarterback whisperer in Norman. Um, Something that's been pissing me off a lot. SEC isn't that great. Besides their top teams. We know this. We've been Bama, saying this. Bama, Georgia,
0: LSU, they're not very good after that.
1: We've been saying this for a long time. What makes me upset is Kirk Herbstreit, I believe, was on the call for OSU, Texas. And they're like, Yo, it could be a real another real big fun Big 12 game, high scoring. It wasn't. Um, LSU, one of the bell cows of the SEC. up 66 points they give up 38 points to vanderbilt and nobody bats a freaking eye oh you would have been crucified for that score nobody bats an eye like if you want to talk about proverbial like big 12 score bullshit that's exactly what it is 66 to 38 to like the worst team in your conference of course
0: now, granted, a lot of those came in the second half, but Oklahoma wouldn't get the benefit of the they doubt on that
1: like, at all. Like, oh, look what they did against Kansas last year. They were still like, dude, dude, get that crap out of here. It makes me angry that nobody's acknowledging this. Some people have, but nobody in the national media that's going to make it relevant has latched onto this and saying, uh. They're just like, wow, LSU plays offense now. Yeah, instead of, oh, wow, the 38 points they gave up to frickin' Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt! This is not Kentucky, who's been recently pretty okay. This is not either Mississippi schools, which one of them sucks. This is not even like George Florida, whose offense has been bad, regardless of who their quarterback is. Not even Tennessee. Well, they might be better than Tennessee. (laughs) This is Vanderbilt, who has not been good for a very long time. They have been at the bottom of the barrel of the SEC year after year after year. And they scored 38 points against LSU, and everybody's like, "Yeah, that's fine." Well, if the score is 66 to 40, maybe somebody says something. But those two little points matter so much. I'm angry. I'm fit to be tied. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thrilled about it. Like, how 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 can you how how can you as ESPN, the spin zone of the SEC, ESPN SEC, how can you not say? Oh, you know, like that's a lot of points they give up for an SEC school. SEC defense just means more. I don't think I've
0: heard a word from the national media on it. Fuckers.
1: <laughs> that's how I feel about it. It's just, it's unreal to me. But, you know, I'm going to move on because I'm really angry. And we'll talk about Jonathan Perkins, who means a lot to the Oklahoma program. He is transferred today.
0: With all the rotation that you've seen. In the defense. The fact that he hasn't made an appearance yet tells you something. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, so many rotations of linebackers. And I think I, I think I remember seeing him on the field once or twice. Well, he wasn't in the game log. So, so the, maybe he the, didn't make so a tackle the, or anything. Well, no.
0: So that means that the he didn't make the participation log. The sports oh. information department, every one of them, they assign someone... To watch the players. They give you binoculars. Mm-hmm. I did it at Georgia Tech a little bit. It's not as easy as you would think. You basically have a roster in front of you. You have the binoculars. And you cross people off. Mm. Essentially. Mm. I don't think I've ever missed anyone. But I could s- easily see it happening.
1: I, I, And basically, that's how... He's number 29, right? Yeah. I, I remember seeing him on the field. You did, yes. Yeah,
0: see, the logger missed it then because he is not registered as entering yeah. the game because okay. OU keeps that log on. Go to SoonerSports.com, interesting. Look up stats. Go to the HTML one. There's a huh. tab for
1: participation. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, and he is More not learning on there. Things here.
0: That's a thing. He, he did. Yeah, he was not logged as entering the game in any of those three. Yeah. And that's how they keep track of like uh, red shirts and stuff like that. Yep. It's. Basically, the sports information department inputs that data. They have it in, like, a file, Uh and they send that to compliance, and then compliance sends that to the NCAA. That's essentially how that
1: works. Perkins entered the game, definitely South Dakota, but I don't know about the other games. Yeah, because someone on
0: Facebook was telling me this, and I was just like, oh, whatever. It's a fucking Facebook comment. Yeah.
1: But, like, uh,
0: yeah, apparently, I mean, I've heard multiple people say that they saw him.
1: I mean, but... And, but yeah and there's yeah there's a chance that the logger didn't yeah. catch it but but here's what it boils down to here's what it boils down to Oklahoma is establishing depth on the front seven on defense and with Grinch with Dante Manning maybe coming back to Oklahoma we don't know for sure but with Grinch with the guys they're come they're having come in they're developing a lot more depth as far as what Grinch said they needed to happen and it's to the point where John Michael Terry Nick Benito uh David Iguebu, you know Ronnie Perkins, you know, bro. Sorry, it's not gonna happen. So any seesaw, the writing on the wall as soon as David. He's Abueble. far from home too. Yeah. He's probably that that add, that kind of
0: thing adds to the homesickness too. So I mean, I it's it's easy to so this. I mean,
1: like good luck to wherever he goes. He's he. It's not gonna be an eighty Miller situation where he tries to go somewhere and he comes back. Um, it's just the writing is on the wall. You know, that's it, it, it is what it is. But. We had some hot takes and questions from you guys, and we will end the podcast. Before we off get of to that, can
0: we talk about all the wild shit that was on social media today? That let's was talk just about so it. perplexing. Let's t- let's talk about your boy, uh, oh. AB.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> hey Antonio, Brown, I don't boy. even
0: understand the point he was trying
1: to convey there. <laughs> CTE is a hell of a drug. This man, I, I knew, I knew. I had... I We're had, not even talking about the Bob Kraft thing here. We're talking about Billy Madison. I had. I knew Antonio Brown was going down a weird path two years ago, and I was thinking, you know, as long as he just plays for the the black and gold, it'll be okay. And then he got super weird around the cameras for, you know, the, oh, what's the show on HBO? Hard, Hard Knocks. Knocks. He got super weird, but I think that's just him in front of the cameras. Showing he up like, in a hot air balloon. He likes cameras, so I was like, okay, that's Antonio Brown cameras. And then he goes to the Patriots. I'm like, okay, they'll make they'll make it work because it's the Patriots. They have a status. And they let it clearly known. And then all of a sudden, these new allegations come forth, and they're like, the Patriots, are like we don't want anything to do with it. No, 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 no. And then he says, "All right, I'm done with the NFL." And he Snapchat. He did it via Snapchat. You could tell it was a poor job. Snapchat edited his head on top of Billy Madison's head. In the class, in a classroom. <laughs> it, 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 and the caption
0: didn't. It, there was no connection to the image with the caption. I, yeah, there was no Billy Madison quote. He he is off his rocker. The man just—he's
1: like, a Landry Jones's future receiver with the Dallas Renegades. What do you think? <laughs> it just like makes me sad because like because I think of Ricky Williams, but Ricky Williams just had the drug thing, and I saw the Ricky Williams. Um, you know, documentary. Well, Ricky Williams had mental health issues. He too. did, yeah. And in honestly, Antonio Brown might have them too. But Ricky Williams, like he he did some soul searching and used lots of weed, as he said in his documentary, and he came back and played well. He did. He finished his career quite nicely, and he's doing well in life right now. Yeah. And then, um, but oh, man, I'm, Antonio, I'm I'm concerned. At the same point. I wish the Steelers organization would just burn down to the ground, like the the offensive side anyways. Like, man, it's so bad. It was painful to watch that game. This oh oh, oh against your Niners. Not my Niners. Well, you have a Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, that's Double true. I have a Jimmy head. G bobblehead. What are you a fan of? I'm a Chiefs fan. Oh oh that's even better. I pat Pat Mahomes. So yeah, exactly. You. But uh
0: no, not a Niners fan. I just went to a game last year.
1: But, I mean, like, they lost against the Niners, who was the most fraudulent 3-0 team in Pittsburgh's 0 3 but they traded the first-round draft picked, so. <laughs> who was the most fraudulent hot-start NFL team you can
0: think of? Probably the Bears in, like, 6 or whatever. Mm. The we-are-who-they-thought-they-were team mm-hmm. that Dennis Green called them out. 100%. Yeah. They weren't actually any good. Rex Grossman was their quarterback. Is, yeah, Rex. Good old Rex. They had a good boy. defense. They had Tommy Harris. I mean, yep. But, uh... Then, also on Twitter, this is from Bunky Perkins. He's an SB Nation guy. Old Miss guy. He lives in Tulsa, though. He posts this thing on Twitter. Hashtag text from my brother. His brother texts him. So, Marcus Dupree came to class and gave some unhinged speech yesterday. Apparently, he was a motivational speaker at, like, an elementary school or something like that. he he asked the class if anyone knew who Ric Flair was and had them raise their hand. Then he had half the class say Ric Flair and the other half say woo! Woo! (laughs) Then then he closed it by telling the kids not to drink beer until they're 18. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in fairness... When Marcus Dupree was at OU in 1982, I'm pretty sure the legal age for beer in the state of Oklahoma was 18, and okay. I think it was 21 for liquor. You know, what so maybe he of, was though? confused. That reminds me. That's of the just very boy. funny. Just envisioning what like the principal and the teachers thought when he said, "Hey, wait until you're 18 to drink beer," saying this to children. It reminds me. Of I the think it's really boy. funny. It's good advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Teaching them about Ric Flair and saying, "Hey, don't." drink until you're 18 all of that both of those things seem like okay but yeah things that are maybe frowned upon yeah by like elementary I mean, schools when's last it's time, funny to me when's I don't last know. time you
1: saw the water boy the water boy Ooh, Adam saying that's one of his that's one of his movies that hasn't been terrible yet i mean like the most recent movies have kind of been garbage but it's yeah. He to-
0: he's had a lot of money grabs lately mm-hmm. in the last like 15 20 years, but like mm-hmm. uh Oh, I mean I probably saw it on TV like 5 years ago or something like that. And
1: he goes to L- he goes to LT's camp, Lawrence Taylor's camp. Oh yeah. And then, like he rambles on and on. Don't
0: smoke crack.
1: And then <laughs> and then-, <laughs> then LT got arrested for crack like a month yeah. later. Like he's talking to the kids and the kids all look confused cuz Bobby Boucher's rambling on in his Cajun accent. And, and lt's like which brings me on to my next kid my next point kids don't smoke crack and that's what that made me think of we're not that makes
0: me think of that too
1: i'm not saying by any means is he on crack
0: no marcus dupree's got his shit together he's
1: got his stuff together but this reminded me of it but it man, just cracks me up that he so told them funny. to wait till 18 so funny but uh you, you ready for some of these hot takes
0: yeah, like we asked for questions on Twitter, and people just responded by making statements instead of asking well, questions. Well, I, I asked for hot takes
1: in some questions. Oh,
0: okay. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. That, that's on me for not paying attention.
1: So Zane Leslie, who I actually know personally, at Zane underscore V4. I didn't know if this is a hot take or not. He said Baker Mayfield will be an All-Pro QB. Is that a hot take? When? Maybe this. Let's say this season.
0: Not with that offensive line he's not going to be. Man, this tackles are garbage. So bad. So bad. Did you see Rex Ryan's bullshit take?
1: That he's overrated. That was so Rex fucking Rex Ryan, weird. you're from Oklahoma, and I am so disappointed in you. <sighs> we shun you to Texas. No, worse, Kansas. They're flat.
0: Yeah. Kansas is worse than Texas.
1: And it's just like the, the the Ryan brothers. I'm just like, I'm so disappointed and like. Who I can't remember who it was that was like looked at that segment and was like, "This man is off his damn rocker." No, Baker Mayfield's not overrated. His offensive line sucks. You put two bookends on that offensive line that are worth a damn, or just average. And the play calling is booty as just, well. Just just average. Average bookends on the offensive line in the in the play calling that Freddie Kitchens has taken. You have a front. line
0: that can't protect, but you're calling for long routes that take a lot of time to develop.
1: What do you expect them to it's do? It's not gonna work. So I mean Baker has to run for his life. I expect them to roll the pocket a lot more, and then but Freddie Kitchens has said, Hey, I gotta be better at the same time as their tackles have to be better. Uh but I think this year being they need all need to get Trent Williams. I think they're you know, I think I think Baker Mayfield this year being an all pro QB, I think it's a really spicy take. But next year, if they do get a tackle, maybe a right tackle or a left tackle,
0: they need to do something in the draft, but
1: Um, I would say it's not out of the realm of possibility. This one by the Pirate Pied Piper at Duncan Rowan thirteen. He DM'd me this one said Neville Gallimore could turn himself into a second to third round pick if he keeps this level play up.
0: I completely agree.
1: I, I think it's a fair take. I can't wait to watch him at the combine, as oh, fast as freak. he can run.
0: Complete, and freak. he's down a little bit of weight. Do you, could you see him playing more of a defensive end role in the NFL though? At his size,
1: I can man, because yes, I could. I could see him play a defensive end,
0: and he could be effective at it too.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't. He's think, quick enough. He wouldn't be a nose tackle. No, in no the he's NFL. not big enough. No,
0: he's like two ninety right now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, not big enough.
1: And but I could see him 100% being a defensive end. If hey, hear me out if um, Duvante Lampkin can make somewhat of a career in the NFL, if Stacy McGee can make somewhat of a decent career, he was in the league for
0: is he still in the league?
1: I don't so know he's, he's, he's not, but no, he was but in the league for a minute.
0: He was in the league with for the probably six, seven years. Yeah, I mean, he had a
1: good career.
0: That's your—you've got your pension. You, I mean, like yeah, you I think it's four years to get your NFL yeah, pension? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's he did quite well for himself. And if
1: those guys can make it, Neville Gallimore, one hundred percent can. Now, it's that second and third round pick. If he plays like this in Big Twelve play, if he is basically indostrupto man and is living in the backfield still. I buy that. I buy that. I'm on board. You're looking for a disruptive guy that can run and quick and be athletic as all get out. That's what he is. And then this one's a question. It's my favorite question I've received probably ever in a long time. This
0: is my type of question.
1: From Crimson and Keefe. And then in, in these brackets, well, we joke right there. In in, in brackets they had dad. Um, from at Oak, Oak Stephen Ray, I thought it was Oak State Even Ray, but it's Oak Stephen Ray. They say, who'd win, Mike Ditka or a Hurricane named Mike Ditka? I feel
0: like there are layers to this. <laughs> um, Sheer strength, I'm going with Hurricane Mike Ditka. Okay. As far as resiliency, I don't know. Mike Ditka's pretty tough. I feel like he could ride out a hurricane.
1: Where's he mm. from? He's, he's from the Midwest, obviously, like Rust Belt. Where specifically? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm doing some Googling right now, and you can probably hear my keyboard typing in he's, the background. He's from
0: not there. from the Gulf Coast or anything like that, obviously.
1: Mike Ditka? Although he did spend some time in New Orleans. How, did I, how did I know... That's where he was from. Steeltown. Yeah. Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Ah, the quip. Which is.
0: Not hurricane country, obviously.
1: Which is really interesting uh, because, oh, okay, I'm going to expose myself on the pod, not. Okay, not like to is, me. This is awkward. Yeah. But whatever. You ever watch a show called Friday Night Tykes?
0: I'm aware of it, but no, I've not watched it.
1: <laughs> I have a. I like to watch the show. I've said it. It's out there. It's not necessarily for the kid competition. I want to see how dramatic grown-ass men get over Little League football games. And Alec was... pretty pathetic. Alec but, yeah. was one of the teams. The, the Quips. They
0: bleed football up there, Oh, they the do. Way. They the do. Rust Belt. Especially those towns where all
1: the towns. Fa-
0: factories have closed yeah. and stuff like that. All they've got is football.
1: Because you had Typha and San Antonio.
0: Football and broken glass.
1: Yeah, Typha and San Antonio. They're like, yeah, let's go northeast. And they go to the, you know, that stuff. And all these empty steel mills, and half the teams are named the Steelers because they love the Steelers and stuff like that. But, man, I love that. But um, I think the Hurricane named Mike Ditka would win just because of sheer force. I don't know if Mike Ditka's a good swimmer.
0: I don't think so either. He might not have to swim, though. He might get to high ground. I don't know.
1: Don't think he's a good swimmer.
0: I, I don't, yeah, I don't envision him being a great swimmer.
1: But, um, man, we're at an hour and a half, and uh that's all I got, you know? You got anything else? Uh,
0: I think I'm good.
1: What are your plans for the weekend?
0: Football. Oh, yeah. I'm going to show at Tower on Thursday, too. You ever been to the Tower?
1: Never been. What is it?
0: Uh, it's the most historic venue in Oklahoma City for music. It's on 23rd.
1: Apparently, I lost myself Town 23rd you ever hang out on 23rd go to those bars not really
0: hmm. i go there quite a bit maybe i should experiment yeah yeah tower's awesome though it's a really good like mid-sized venue oklahoma city's blowing up with mid-sized venues now we got tower got criterion got a uh, jones assembly a lot of good acts are finally coming to oklahoma city now when previously they would all be up in tulsa at Keynes or brady so we sure. don't have to travel sure. to tulsa for concerts anymore
1: yeah, I mean, my, my weekend is going to be uh, full of probably mowing the lawn and waking my neighbors up before the football game, watching lots of football and grading papers, and then just doing all this thing over again next week. You know? Are the kids respectful to you at school? Man, that's a good question because I'm a laid-back person. So like, what some people might take as disrespect, I just take it as like, you just, like, don't know how to control yourself. So sometimes, are they disrespectful? Yeah, they're teenage kids. At the same time, um, I just, like, no, not really. Like, typically, I develop a reputation of, like, being very laid back. And then the people are like, yeah, don't mess with them. He's cool. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to say this on the podcast. And I, I'm not going to get in trouble. Because it's just a funny thing that happened to me. One of the students said few weeks ago in my seventh hour they said hey uh mr maravi and i was like hey what's up and uh he's like hey uh our teacher's drug tested and i said <laughs> i said well yeah actually i was my first year into the profession i was drug tested and i said but i haven't been drug tested since we take background checks now you know just to make sure we're not weird people and he's like oh okay and i was like why are you asking this question I knew the answer. I knew why he was going to ask the question, but I just wanted—I just wanted to hear it. And he said, "You spoke pot, Mr. Morovitz." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm." like... You get the rep of the chill teacher, then that question arises. So the, the, I was like, I just kind of laughed and I was like, "No, but is it because I'm so laid back? And is it because I'm just like chilled out?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "That's what I thought." So, no, I don't really—I don't really have a problem with disrespect. You know, it's just like. In the kids that are like have maturity issues, it's just like we talk to them and try to work on it day by day. But for the most part, I'll I hang out with them. They're good. They're good folks, man. I love my job.
0: I don't know how I deal with it. I hate teenagers, so I feel like
1: I would like blow up and like insult them or something like that. I mean, I love my job. I mean, and I'm working with you know teenagers, sixteen year olds every day, and I, I love it. They're funny, man. They're hilarious. They show me memes. They email me memes. It's funny. I like it. It's good times. Different strokes for different folks. (laughs) Quoting
0: Antonio Brown there. Yeah, I (laughs) I,
1: I guess, man. But, hey, man, that about wraps us up, right? Follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. It's all brought to you guys by SB Nation. They put out a lot of great stuff, whatever it is. um, When I'm not dropping the ball in commitment posts, you can find Jack on Twitter at CC Machine or his personal handle at Larry Shields. I'm Kame Robbion at came K- K- Robbion. I can't speak at K- Robbie and CCM. Also, follow Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism. He drops odds every week with his brother, and it's some pretty good stuff. They goofed in the first week, but they got a little bit more on track in the second week when their podcast. So, run iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Give us a five star rating and review. We really appreciate it, and we'll check you guys later.